Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 387. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan. Today, I'm bringing you a conversation which was recorded several months ago, and I'm finally able to air it for you. I spoke with a friend and colleague, Brooke Braylove. Brooke Braylove, LCSWC, is a licensed clinical social worker, psychotherapist, sex therapist, Basic Accelerated Resolution Therapy Practitioner, also called ART Practitioner, and she's a certified Daring Way facilitator specializing in treating adults, couples, and groups with depression, anxiety, and relationship challenges. Brooke graduated from the University of Pennsylvania and Columbia University School of Social Work, and she's a graduate of the Washington School of Psychiatry's clinical program on psychodynamic Psychotherapy and the National Group Psychotherapy Institute. Brooke has maintained a private practice in the DC metro area for more than 18 years. I'm very excited to bring you this conversation because we talked about ART, the accelerated resolution therapy method that Brooke uses. And I had a lot of questions about it. Very curious about it. It's another eye movement method similar to. Well, not similar necessarily, but the similarity being that it's an eye movement therapy method. In that way, it is uh, in the same sort of category as EMDR or brain spotting or possibly eye movement integration therapy. I don't really know anything about that one, so I could be wrong. Although Brooke will 
give a lot more information so you can learn more about it and how it might be able to help. I do want to let you know, if you're a therapist listening to this, that Trauma Therapist Network membership is still open until June 30th to new members. I've been very happy to welcome a bunch of new people in to our community in the early access period of our registration being open. And now it's open to any therapist who you don't have to be on the waiting list, but you can go to the same link that you would use to join the waiting list. And from there, you can directly join Trauma Therapist Network. So if you hear this later after the end of uh, June 2023, and it's not currently open for new members, then the same link that I'm going to give you now will go back to being the waiting list link. So that link is go.traumatherapistnetwork.com slash join. If you go to that link while registration is open, you'll be able to register right away. And if you go while the doors are closed, it'll add you to the waiting list and you'll be notified when the doors open again. Aside from that, today is... June 21st, as I'm recording this introduction, it's the summer solstice, the longest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, although it's a rainy day here where I am, so I haven't seen the sun at all. But even so, I appreciate the solstice. It's an important day of the year. And I hope that wherever you are, you are beginning to enjoy some summer fun. Let's dive right into listening to my conversation with Brooke Braylove, where you can learn about accelerated resolution therapy, art, not to be confused with art therapy, meaning therapy that an art therapist is delivering. This is accelerated resolution therapy, the acronym ART, art. So let's dive in and learn from Brooke. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm so excited to be speaking with Brooke Braylove, LCSWC. Brooke, thank you so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. I'm super happy to be here. Thank you, Laura. I'm so happy too. And we've been trying to get this together for a while and had to continually reschedule because of me. So thank you for your patience. I said third time's the charm. That's right. So I'm super excited to talk to you about accelerated resolution therapy. But before we get into that, let's just start off by you telling our audience a little bit more about your work, who you are and what you do. So I'm, a, as you said, a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist in Bethesda, Maryland. I've been in private practice for over 18 years. I work with adults, couples. I run a few groups. And I'm also an ASEC certified sex therapist and a certified Daring Way facilitator, which is actually how you and I met because we're both certified in Brene Brown shame resilience curriculum. And I offer weekend workshops for women who are feeling stuck and explore issues like shame, vulnerability, trust, empathy, self-compassion. I love doing that work. But the thing I am just truly most excited about right now is accelerated resolution therapy. And I was trained in it in 2018. 
I myself was a client of a therapist who provided accelerated resolution therapy after a really traumatic breakup. And it was the only thing that really helped me move on. And so I said, I got to get trained in this right away. And I'm just so excited about the service that I'm providing in a really different way to people. I've been a talk therapist, a psychodynamic therapist for 18 years. And this is just radically different and pretty amazing. Well, I know that you are really jazzed about it and I'm excited to learn more about it from you. I, I've heard about it, but never really understood exactly what it is and where it fits into therapy work, you know. So let's start off by, if you could just, can you tell us what is ART? Absolutely. So ART is an evidence-based treatment modality that uses rapid bilateral eye movements to change how the brain stores traumatic images and sensations. Art's a very brief treatment. It usually only requires one to five sessions for a dramatic and lasting change to occur. It was created in 2007 by a therapist named Lainey Rosenzweig, who attended an EMDR training and thought that was amazing, but I think I can build on it. And so she created art and there are about 6,000 people across the world trained in art and more and more being trained every day. And I think what's really important to understand about art is that it really treats a lot of different things. So is incredibly useful for folks with trauma, complex PTSD, any sort of sexual assault, childhood abuse. It also treats OCD, phobias, depression and anxiety, chronic pain. So it's really, really useful in so many different areas. But obviously, it's sort of started mostly and its claim to fame is really working with trauma. Okay. So yeah, I, I'm curious, actually a lot of things like how I don't do EMDR and you know, we've had a few people on therapy chat talking about EMDR and brain spotting, which is also related to the eyes and how trauma is stored. So how is art different from EMDR? So art is different from EMDR in a few ways. First, it is shorter and briefer. It's only one to five sessions, whereas EMDR usually lasts a bit longer. It's also more procedural and less open-ended. So during every session, we follow a, a very clear protocol. And it's called accelerated resolution therapy because there is actual resolution in every session. It's also less focused on thoughts and feelings than EMDR, and it is more focused on images and body sensations. So we don't talk a lot about thoughts. We don't necessarily talk a lot about feelings other than how those feelings are showing up in the body sensationally. Yeah. So when I hear images and body sensations, it makes me think about how developmental trauma is held in the body as images 
symbols, you know, more so than cognitions, emotions that we can name. Right. Body sensations, patterns of holding tension, things like that can can be representing or can be indicative of where we're holding childhood trauma, childhood pain, attachment wounds. Obviously, we know the body keeps the score and emotions are felt in the body. And for a lot of trauma survivors, they are in fight, flight, freeze or fawn so often and really need some awareness of how that's actually manifesting in their specific body. So really what art does is we have someone sort of call up their trauma and actually try to envision it like a movie. One thing that's so wonderful about art is that you actually don't need to tell the therapist much about your trauma if you don't want to. And so in that way, again, a lot of trauma survivors have talked and talked and talked, and sometimes they've been re-traumatized through that talking. Mm -hmm. But with art, I usually just need to know some sort of basics about why they're coming in a little bit about maybe the incident or the the problem they want to address. And otherwise, they don't share any real details. So it can be so healing for patients just to not have to tell the same story over and over again as they've done. So what happens is we ask the client to come in and sort of draw up those feelings, those sensations, and those images that are related to the trauma. And then we use calming, rapid bilateral eye movements to change those images and sensations and make them more positive. And then we store those images and sensations in the brain so that the rapid eye movement actually replicates REM sleep where memories are consolidated And again, what we say in art is keep the knowledge, lose the pain. It is not hypnosis. You will never forget your actual experience because those are facts. And we don't want to lose the facts of our lives. But what we want to lose is the distressing, intrusive images and then those really difficult body sensations that show up over and over and over again. And so you may, I mean, I had a, a woman who was, had a sexual assault a year before. And at the beginning of the session, I asked her to imagine the scene of the sexual assault. And she was visibly shaking, had difficulty breathing, was sweating a lot. And just simply by staying focused on some of her body sensations, they improved through the bilateral eye movements. And then we had her try to change the scene in a way that she she wished it had happened, either that she fought back and was successful or that she avoided the situation entirely. And what is really quite beautiful and where I truly have to fight back tears during sessions is I can see someone who was struggling a few minutes before. And then as they're creating their sort of what we call positive, you know, a positive scene, they literally smile, their entire body changes, they kind of light up. 
And that's when I really know that a lot of healing has occurred. And with that specific client, what was amazing is she talked about in the beginning of the session, being able to literally feel the attacker's hands on her throat. And by the end, she said, sort of troubled almost, why can't I feel those hands anymore? And I said, because they're not there anymore. And she was just just amazed that it only took two sessions for her to have a ton of relief. And she actually never needed to come back again. Obviously, I cannot speak for how things will go over the next 20 years of her life. But the relationship to her trauma has changed drastically. And her body's response to it has changed. So she can tell you what happened but she will not be triggered in the same way at all. Okay, so that makes sense to me. And I appreciate you explaining the the transformation or the shift that people experience too, because I think, and I said this to you before we started recording, one of the things that I'm always very cautious about is that, I mean, when people have suffered with trauma symptoms for a long time, naturally they want relief as soon as possible. And there's an you know, there's an urgency to release this burden, you know? And so people seek, you know, I heard EMDR in one session will make these symptoms go away. You know, I want these nightmares to stop. I want these, the ringing in my ears to stop. And I heard that if I do EMDR, you know, it'll be gone. And EMDR is the one that people hear about, I think the most in that way, because they'll go to the doctor and say, I have this ringing in my ears and I have trauma and the doctor's like, my friend had EMDR and it's magic, you know? So of course that's just not how it works ever. Like to have like an instant relief like that, but to understand that you can have relief from a symptom that's bothering you that, you know, if you like feeling the hands on her, Mm -hmm. that's an intrusive thing that she's re-experiencing that's causing major distress in her day. It doesn't take away the whole experience that happened in the way she feels about it completely. But that aspect that was driving her, you know, to great distress is gone. Yes. And I... That quickly. Of course, I encourage skepticism of art and I welcome it in my office because, yes, they are still going to probably have difficulty in relationships and you know, other relational problems that are going to continue in how they show up in their lives. But the actual incidents are almost, I sort of like to say, it's like you, whereas in the beginning when they come in, they, the trauma, the images are literally two inches in front of their face, right? Practically literally inside of them. And the way I experienced art when I did it and also the way my patients describe it is now it's there, but it's about five feet away. So they see it over there, but they do, they are not stirred up. They do not have the body reactions. Yeah. And that really does happen between one and five sessions. Yeah. ongoing relational talk therapy that is so important really should and can continue. And what I usually say to trauma therapists is if you have a patient who 
is just so incredibly stuck in kind of an acute way, send them to an art therapist and have them do a few sessions and then send them right back. Because of course it's ongoing work, but this treatment is that brief, truly. Mm -hmm. I have actually almost never needed to see someone for all five sessions. It usually is two to three max. That's wonderful. And, you know, I think sometimes, I mean, for one thing, trauma therapy can be a slow process. Most of the time, people are healing the relational injuries after the more shock trauma type stuff is resolved. And the relational wounds and the way our identity develops around that, especially for things that happen more in, in our earliest years, that takes a long time to untangle. But the, but the stuck places can interfere with anything moving forward where you only are spinning wheels in that stuck place. And you'll see if you think about it as a trauma therapist, like the person will be like, but I just can't get past this or but why this? You know, and it's like it's not wrong that the person's stuck in that place. But I'm imagining that and it makes me curious, not that I need you to share anything you're not comfortable sharing. But when you said that it was after a really bad breakup, I think about like some people I've worked with and some people I've known in my life, especially after like a a cheating betrayal in a, a relationship or some kind of like, you know, a betrayal where it's a sense mm -hmm. of like, how could they do this to me? That people can just be so, they just can't get past that place because it's so painful. I wonder if that can be helped with art. Absolutely. There are definite ways in which, you know, just relationships can be healed enough to then do the harder work as we talked about. So absolutely a betrayal, you know, a breakup. And what we usually just ask is that that person puts their trauma, their betrayal into images. And then, you know, and it could be that the images when their partner told them that they had betrayed them or when they found the emails that indicated, right? That yeah. becomes also part of the betrayal trauma. That makes so sense. we can erase those images, those stuck, intrusive images that they keep coming back to. And as you said, I completely agree with you that sometimes if, if the acute symptoms make it impossible for them to do any of the talk therapy. Yeah. So again, I can see them. Another art therapist could see the, the client for just a few sessions and then they're probably ready to do the deeper work because we've taken away that, that first level of distress that is literally ruining their lives sometimes. You know, and again, I've had these just incredible sort of success stories. I also always make space for the fact that art may not work for everyone. Because I just don't believe any treatment is one size fits all. I've probably seen, probably done about 80 to 90 hours of art. I could count maybe five to six people that it didn't work for, for a variety of reasons. One of the main things, though, that does get in the way of art working is 
people's sort of difficulty changing and not necessarily understanding the secondary gains they might have from chronic pain or their depression or their anxiety. And again, that is not to blame anyone for having those, you know, conditions. But one of the things we look for is motivation to change. It doesn't mean you can't be skeptical of the process, but really being motivated, really wanting to get better. And there are two other sort of prerequisites for art. One is you do need to be able to hold a thought in your mind. And two is that you do need to be able to move your eyes back and forth. So if someone has, you know, problems with their eyes that would prohibit that, they aren't a good candidate for art and they might be better for EMDR. But I think what happens too is when you first start doing the eye movements, you think this is weird. I'm I'm never going to be able to do this. By the end of the session, you don't even know that you're moving your eyes back and forth. It's become so relaxing. And there have actually been several people over the years who fall asleep almost because they're that relaxing and they get really tired, which is just a normal part. It can be a normal response to art. Okay. Well, so that makes me, I have now a couple other questions. So one is, well, I'm wondering if it would be contrary. Therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. indicated for people with psychosis, dementia, based on the what you said about being able to hold a thought in your mind? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it really is going to depend on the specific person and what they're, what they are allowed to do. Specifically, when someone has, you know, a major history of, say, concussions, and that would, a, a light I use a light bar. A lot of art practitioners use their hand. I prefer using a light bar and I think my patients prefer it, but we were trained with using our hand, which can be a bit exhausting actually. So it's not necessarily, you know, going to work for somebody who, you know, that bright light could trigger a seizure. So you certainly want to, you know, if you have medical conditions that you think would be problematic. I would definitely consult with your with your doctor first. I find that most people don't. So it really does work for most people. Because the eye movements again are calming. They're not necessarily disruptive. But if someone told me that they'd had a concussion two weeks ago, I would not suggest art for them at that point. 
Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience. And one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. Okay. And then the other thing that I'm curious about is dissociation. Like how, how does that fit in? Because, you know, I always wonder about things where people don't realize they, they think it's X, but then when they get started, Y, Z, A, B, and C come up and they, nobody was expecting that. And that can be very just, you know, either dysregulating, distressing. Sure. Well, and I think with dissociation, again, it requires a clinician who's going to be able to pick up on that. So I had someone slightly dissociate in a session a couple of weeks ago, and we just paused the protocol, and I just had her actually do sort of bilateral leg movements, stomping on the ground, to just get herself grounded. And as soon as she was grounded, I asked if she was ready to continue, and she was. I would not think that Art would be really good for dissociative identity disorder, where there are truly different, separate people that emerge. That is a bit extreme, you know, in terms of, I think, wanting them to, because you just don't know who will be showing up and how they'll heal. But I, I, I think dissociation can absolutely happen. And that's usually not a problem as long as the clinician is just tracking it really well. And again, to remember that art is not hypnosis and the clients I see are welcome to stop anytime they want. They're welcome to pause. So they're in control. I am following a protocol, but of course at any point, and if someone were literally so dysregulated that I worried about them, I would stop the session. That actually hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. But the other thing I wanted to point out Because a lot of people with trauma history often say, but I don't remember it, or Mm -hmm. I only have an image or sporadic images. And art can work for those people as well, because you just grab any images you do have. And the eye movements create space to often have other images emerge or memories. And again, I'm not suggesting that it creates new memories Mm -hmm. at all, but that the eye movements in and of themselves are kind of healing. And so you can grab whatever images you have and we can work on those. Or maybe you don't have images, but you have sounds and smells that you still, right, get triggered with. We can also work with that, right? So if someone is triggered by the smell of garbage, we would actually use the eye movements and help them come up with the most beautiful smell that they love, you know, the smell of, you know, apple pie. 
And then they would store that in their brain so that their brain would not be triggered necessarily the next time they they smell trash. They would still smell it in the moment, but they wouldn't have the body brain's sensations that go on. So we really can unlink these things. Mm. So while we usually put everything into images, we can also use it for sounds. Because, for instance, I worked with a bunch of students and teachers and parents that were involved in a school shooting in the D.C. area back in April. And for most of them, the trigger was a loud noise, right? The car door slamming, the anything loud, and they would jump. Well, I did one art session with most of them, and they just didn't have that anymore. They stopped jumping. They stopped having that reactive thing. And of course, they were just thrilled. And what was also great about that is I got to work with them literally days after the incident. And that's also really helpful. Sort of the sooner we can get in there and change the way the brain stores that incident, the better. Hmm. So that's an example of how the loud noise was triggering them. They would jump. It doesn't take away the all the feelings they had about the school shooting. It gives them the opportunity to begin to process and heal from what happened because that one symptom that's just like replaying is out of the way. Absolutely. And then you could work with another symptom and another symptom and another symptom if they continue to arise. Yes, absolutely. I often liken it to when you have an incredibly depressed person in your office and you kind of know that until they're more stable on an antidepressant, they will be unable to access psychotherapy. They literally just can't. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of similar. So to do the deeper work, you may need to really clear out these traumatic responses and sensations in the body. And again, I, I can't explain. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding that I have fought back tears multiple, multiple times as I witness the healing. I'm getting goosebumps as we speak talking about it. And it is that powerful. And again, that does not mean it will work for every human being. I just can't say that. But when it works, literally heals the person. And I can see it in front of my eyes. And it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I'm sorry, I sound really, I know, almost almost too excited. And, and I think a lot of people, when I tell them about it, they say, well, that's too good to be true. And of mm. course, Lainey Rosenzweig just wrote a book called Too Good to Be True. <laughs> well, you know, I've become more open-minded about what dramatic healing can happen in short-term interventions and, and longer work. And so I have seen things like that too, not, not with art yet. And I think it's very promising because... You know, I I think it's just for me, it's like important for people to have a clear expectation of what resolving something or what clearing something looks like, because I think and, and you're giving that and I really appreciate it because I think that, you know, you'll you'll see people say, oh, I went to therapy and I cleared this thing. So that's not on the table for us to work on. Right. And then, you know, when you're working with them, you're seeing like patterns that indicate that 
there's still something from that thing. And it's okay that that's the case. But, you know, if if they are determined that, no, that's not part of it, it's like that gets in the way even, you know. So just like, you know, understanding like something can heal and there can still be other things about that thing. One part of it healed and one part of it didn't. But the healing that happens is real and beautiful and powerful. And one thing I'm thinking about is before we wrap up, I want to get your opinion about this because I've worked with a lot of, I've specialized in sexual violence for a long time. And I've worked with a lot of people who will say, you know, they're like, no, I don't have flashbacks. I don't have nightmares. I don't have trouble sleeping. I don't have, you know, the typical symptoms that you think of with PTSD. But then I have the the things that I have are I'm generally always anxious and hypervigilant. And then the other thing is that they'll be like, sometimes I can just feel his breath or something like that. It's something that's so intangible for the person. It's almost impossible for them to grasp it. But yet when it's there, it's making them feel uncomfortable at all times, you know? Yeah. And again, I I totally agree with you. I, I will, you know, someone will call me and I'll say, you know, do you have intrusive thoughts, images? And they'll say, nope, 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 doing great, you know. But then, as you said, then they say, well, I have chronic back pain or, or, you know, migraines or I can't breathe when I'm in this kind of situation. Mm -hmm. So it just stays in the body and we just know this, you know. And I I just, I love this, this connection, obviously, we're making between brain and body. And I'm so excited also about the sort of future of psychotherapy. Because it's, I really believe it's going to change pretty drastically over the next 10, 20 years. And I'm excited about that. And I love talk therapy. One thing I did want to mention too, is that it's not just someone who comes in for art. I have introduced art to many of my long-term patients. So I have a woman I've been working with for 10 years and we've talked about her trauma. We've talked about her sexual assault multiple times and done good work around it. But she was starting to have sort of more incidents where she would flinch when her husband would touch her and felt unsafe in her body. So I said, well, let's try art. And it completely worked to change her relationship to that sexual assault. And it's changed her relationship to her husband because she's not flinching anymore. She's not doing the behavior anymore because she's not triggered in the same way. And what's really cool is that same patient actually came in and said, you know, I have, she said she had an accident with involving her foot and she'd had foot pain for two years. And she said, do you think you can help me? So we basically just used the scene of her having that injury, getting that injury and focus on the pain that resulted. And she walked out and hasn't had one moment of pain in her foot in, I think it's about nine weeks now, not one moment. Wow. So there are some of these real kind of specific symptoms we can also get rid of. For instance, I think on the Accelerated Resolution Therapy website, there's a great video interviewing a woman who had fibromyalgia for 20 years and had one art session and has been doing great. I know some people who are listening are like, say no more because the fibromyalgia pain and misery 
and relentlessness is it's known for being so difficult to change. Yes. So. And those are often patients that I also recommend doing the the deeper work around fear of change so that art may help them in very specific ways. But the sort of more dynamic issue of identity and working through, if I don't have this identity, what does that mean for me? And that also, I think, has to take place kind of at the same time as art. And, you know, of course, they could do that with their individual therapist. I can do that with them to some degree. I do do an an intake with every client because I want to feel connected to the person sitting in front of me who I'm helping. But technically, I could simply ask a patient over the phone the three questions. Are they able to hold an image? Are they able to move their eyes back and forth? And are they motivated to change? And I could help them and not have any idea what they were actually working on. Again, that's not my preference. I really want to feel connected to the person because we're doing deep, deep old work for some of them. So that's that's not how I want to do it, but I can. I had a woman who'd had art already in an inpatient eating disorder clinic, and she said, I want to continue art. And she didn't want to tell me anything about what she was working on. So we didn't. And she still received, you know, and benefited from art. I didn't feel particularly connected to her, but that's the way she wanted to do it. And the client is in charge 100%. Well, yeah. And, you know, part of what we bring to our work is the presence and the holding container that we provide and the attunement and safety that we bring with our presence. Part of that might be allowing her not to tell you, not forcing her to do anything she didn't want to do. That could have been a major therapeutic intervention for her even though you don't know what it was, you know? Oh, absolutely. Again, just respecting the person sitting in front of me and what their needs are, you know, moment to moment. One thing I also really wanted to mention, which is amazing, is that art works just as well virtually. And I know this because, A, that's, you know, what what we know from people that they still benefit and do great with art. Virtually, but I had a patient who I saw in person and we had a wonderful art session and she was feeling great. And then during our second session, she was sick and asked if she could do it virtually. And we did it virtually and she thought that it was equally as valuable. So it, you know, if you don't have an art practitioner in your, you know, state or your city, certainly you could look into doing it virtually as well. So last thing I want to ask you then, is art something that can be offered in sort of a coaching format versus psychotherapy? No, you need to be a licensed mental health practitioner. It is not open to certified coaches yet. I say yet, I actually have no idea if that will ever happen, but it isn't, you know, unlike the daring way or something which coaches can participate in. But you know, when you're dealing with trauma, when you're dealing with this really big stuff, I, I think it's important to have that that educational background, that that root in whether it's social work or, you know, any other stuff. Well, you need to be able to know what you're seeing in front of you if there's a problem. Yes, absolutely. 
What's really great, I, I really want to encourage therapists to seek out training in art. It is, you know, an easy process to begin working. There's a wonderful training. I think it's three or four days. And there are levels of training. I'm an advanced art practitioner, but there are different levels of training where you just learn sort of more and more how to work with different issues. And, you know, there's the, it, it, you can just keep sort of moving along. And, and Lainey is, you know, continuing to be busy trying to kind of perfect this and revise it. And I'm just really grateful to her for helping so many people. Yeah, well, I'm grateful to you, too, for coming here to virtually to talk about this. And because I think, well, and you know this in the D.C. area, there's still a lot of emphasis on the heady cognitive work, which is valuable, but it's, you know, without connecting with the body, it's limited. And I think we therapists need to embrace the mind-body connection because other types of providers are using those methods with clients. And, you know, it's kind of like, are you going to learn about it and implement some of that? Or are you going to outsource that to people who may not be necessarily, you know, well, they don't have the clinical background that you have. So, you know, it's, I think it's really valuable to learn about different things you can bring in with the way you practice to integrate more holistic approaches. Yeah. And I also think, I mean, I had a session, I was just doing a regular talk therapy session and someone was very upset, you know, in the session. And I said, let's just do some eye movements. So we just did a few sets of eye movements to move the sensations and improve them. So I, it's also really great because you can use it in a regular session when someone is struggling. But I completely agree with you. I always say to people when they come in, I'm really not interested in your brain. I know you're super smart. We're all super smart in this area. That's so true. Tell me more, you know, drop yeah. down. Let's get real. Let's get into the real story, not this story up in the yeah, Eddie because we're regions. all very comfortable there and would stay there if someone didn't push us. Yeah, it's a great defense. As one one supervisor told me, intellectualizing is a great defense. Only the smartest people do it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so smart. <Right. laughs> That's a great And every line. time I say that to anybody, they always react that way. <laughs> That's excellent. I love that. It's like, hmm, okay, I, I, I'll accept my my best coping strategy is, is just a really good one. But no, it keeps us it keeps us distant from our bodies. And it's so helpful to if you if you're trying to achieve to just put that away. But ultimately, it catches up with you. It always does. So and then, yeah. you know, people are like, why do I feel exhausted? Why do I feel why am I in pain all over? Yes, absolutely. And I think people really it's interesting, too, because what will happen sometimes, you know, people during art will share thoughts, intrusive thoughts, but also they'll name feelings, right? I feel sad and I we just continue to bring them back to the body. Where specifically do you feel that sadness? I'm feeling super anxious. Where specifically in your body do you feel that? And then we can really work on these like 
very specific, you know, points in the body. You know, some people will say, you know, my neck feels hot. Has happened a few times, which is sort of fascinating to me. Or, you know, my right foot is bouncing. And so we just bring attention and use the eye movements to move the sensations. And also, you can do this yourself. I can teach you how to do some of this yourself by, you know, choosing to move your eyes back and forth, looking, you know, at two corners of your room or the mantle, the fireplace mantle, and just move your eyes just to move sensations. Obviously, you're not trained in it. So, but just to move some sensations and make them more positive is really helpful. And people feel so empowered. It's another coping strategy, right? And Everybody wants that incredibly deep toolbox that they have a lot of different things they can access. And this is one of them. Well, I'm so grateful that you came here to talk about this today. And so, Brooke, if people wanted to work with you or learn more, where can they where can they find you? Yeah, so they can certainly go to my website, which is brookbreelove.com. I'm also on Instagram, Brooke Braylove Psychotherapy, Facebook, same thing. And Twitter is BB Psychotherapy. And I have information about art and a couple TED Talks actually on there. But if you want more information, more detailed information, more information about the research, or you're looking to find a a local art therapist, you can go to acceleratedresolutiontherapy.com. And I would encourage everybody to, to check it out, find out who's in your area, who can do it, or who's in your state that you maybe could see virtually if they're too far away. But it's a, it's a really good website. There are also lots of testimonials and about, you know, people getting better rapidly. Wonderful. Brooke, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today and for talking about this. I can see how passionate you are about it, and it seems very hopeful and valuable, so I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached to see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you.